All right. Good morning. I'm Pastor Gillespie from St. John Evangelical Lutheran Church and School, Sherman Center, Random Lake, Wisconsin. It's good to have you with us here this morning for the Congregation of Prayer, Guide for Daily Meditation and Prayer Around God's Word. It is Tuesday, August 29th, 2023. And uh, yeah, having been gone a few weeks, uh, basically, over the last couple of weeks, uh, realizing how many things uh, get neglected. So uh, I've been spending a lot of time here the last few days trying to catch up. So today's the last day for that because tomorrow school starts and I get right into it again. But uh, it's still appropriate and uh, even necessary. I would suggest to begin each day with the word of God in prayer. So that's what we do here. I'm glad to have you with us. Uh, and there we go. Let's begin. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. I believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended into hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sits at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence he will come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit the Holy Christian Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. Prayer psalm together for the week, Psalm 93. The Lord reigns, he is robed in majesty. The Lord is robed, he has put on strength as his belt. Yes, the world is established, it shall never be moved. Your throne is established from of old, you are from everlasting. The floods have lifted up, O Lord, the floods have lifted up their voice. The floods lift up their roaring. Mightier than the thunders of many waters, mightier than the waves of the sea, the Lord on high is mighty. Your decrees are very trustworthy. Holiness befits your house, O Lord, forevermore. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and will be forever. Amen. All right. And uh, let's, I was going to see if we have any other commemorations this week. Or, um, no, I think we'll uh, consider the psalm in meditation uh, maybe tomorrow or the next day. All right. Let's continue with our memory verse for the week. Beloved, now we are children of God, and it has not yet been revealed what we shall be. But we know that when he is revealed, we shall be like him. For he shall, excuse me, for we shall see him as he is. 1 John 3, verse 2. Beloved, now we are children of God, and it has not yet been revealed what we shall be. But we know that when he is revealed, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. 1 John 3, verse 2. All right. So uh, note here that there's the... uh, what do we, we have a technical term for this as theologians, the inaugurated eschatology. <laughs> inaugurated meaning it's been, it's been uh, instituted and ushered in, um, but it is still um, not yet re, uh, been revealed. That will be revealed on the last day. So uh, sometimes just a, a, probably a better shorthand for us to remember what we're talking about here is called the now and not yet. Now and not yet. So now we are children of God, but not yet. Has it been revealed what we shall be? All right. So we know we are children of God. We have the promise of the resurrection and the life everlasting. That is all true now. All right. 
Um, we are already living as resurrected uh, new Adam, right? New man. And yet it's not been revealed, that is, I would suggest, in our flesh, in our flesh. So uh, we need the resurrection of the body. Uh, and so that will come. So the scriptures, especially John, um, the evangelist here, is, is talks of the life of the Christian as being already in the resurrection, already in the new heavens and the new earth. Even though it's not yet been revealed to the eyes, it's, it is true, of course, by faith. Right? So this is key. And when the Lord returns, we shall see him, and we shall also be like him. Right? Resurrected, immortal, um, eternal. Never dying again, just as he never dies again. All right. And then our catechism for the week and next week is the uh, introduction and first petition of the Lord's Prayer. So first, the introduction. Our Father who art in heaven. What does this mean? With these words, God tenderly invites us to believe that he is our true Father and that we are his true children, so that with all boldness and confidence we may ask him as dear children ask their dear Father. All right. First petition. Hallowed be thy name. What does this mean? God's name is certainly holy in itself, but we pray in this petition that it may be kept holy among us also. How is God's name kept holy? God's name is kept holy when the word of God is taught in its truth and purity, and we as the children of God also lead holy lives according to it. Help us to do this, dear Father in heaven. But anyone who teaches or lives contrary to God's word profanes the name of God among us. Protect us from this heavenly Father. Okay, as I announced yesterday, and so we'll continue today in for our first reading from Second Peter. We'll be in Second Peter chapter two, the first part today. But there were also false prophets among the people, even as there will be false teachers among you, who will secretly bring in destructive heresies, even denying the Lord who bought them, and bring on themselves swift destruction. And many will follow their destructive ways, because of whom the way of truth will be blasphemed. By covetousness they will exploit you with deceptive words. For a long time their judgment has not been idle, and their destruction does not slumber. For if God did not spare the angels who sinned, but cast them down to hell and delivered them into chains of darkness, to be reserved for judgment, and did not spare the ancient world, but saved Noah, one of eight people, a preacher of righteousness, bringing in the flood on the world of the ungodly, and turning the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah into ashes, condemning them to destruction, making them an example to those who afterward would live ungodly, and delivered righteous Lot, who was oppressed by the filthy conduct of the wicked, for that righteous man dwelling among them tormented his righteous soul from day to day by seeing and hearing their lawless deeds. Then the Lord knows how to deliver the godly out of temptations and to reserve the unjust under punishment for the day of judgment, and especially those who walk according to the flesh in the lust of uncleanness, and despise authority. They are presumptuous, self-willed. They are not afraid to speak of speak evil of dignitaries, whereas angels who are greater in power and might do not bring a reviling accusation against them before the Lord. All right, speaking of eschatology, here we have a more conversation about the last days and the judgment of those final days. I can't help but think of an article I was reading this morning and I post posted in... Uh, on Telegram, which is a social media platform, where we have a group uh, for our um, the Band Books podcast. Pastor Riley and I run a kind of a side uh, group there, and uh, it's talking about the corruption of both progressive 
so quote unquote progressive Christian churches and many schools of divinity. Uh, this isn't referring, to, of course, to our church body for the most part or for our seminaries. Um, I'll post the article there in the chat and you can um, check it out. Um, but <laughs> can't hear, but help but hear echoes of uh, what is being described here. And the Lord has consigned them to destruction. Right? They, they may have success, quote unquote, uh, in numbers for a time or even in finances, um, but you will not see them bringing people into faith um, and into the knowledge and, uh, well, salvation that is revealed for them in Christ Jesus in the Word of God. Right? So they'll be consigned to judgment, and that judgment will come and even come swiftly. Um, but you'll note, as within the days of the flood, so also in the cities of God, Sodom and Gomorrah, um, God was patient with them, calling them through the, his preachers to repentance, and yet they would not, and then he destroyed them. So it will be especially for those who claim um, Christian faith but deny God's word and its power. So yeah, check out that article if you can stomach it. Uh, it gets uh, quite explicit and revolting, um, the things that are being taught at so-called Christian schools of divinity. All right. And then our reading for catechesis is from Acts chapter 19. By the way, I went back and looked. The last time we uh, covered this was in July of 2021, you know, so it's been a few years. We went through the book of Acts in the summer of 2021. All right. Now, God worked unusual miracles by the hands of Paul, so that even handkerchiefs and aprons were brought from his body to the sick, and the diseases left them, and the evil spirits went out of them. Then some of the itinerant Jewish exorcists took it upon themselves to call the name of the Lord Jesus over those who had evil spirits, saying, We exorcise you by the Jesus whom Paul preaches. Also there were seven sons of Sceva, a Jewish chief priest, who did so. And the evil spirit answered and said, Jesus I know and Paul I know, but who are you? Then the man in whom the evil spirit uh, was leaped on them, overpowered them, and prevailed against them so that they fled out of the house naked and wounded. This became known both to all the Jews and Greeks dwelling in Ephesus, and fear fell on them all, and the name of the Lord Jesus was magnified. And many who had believed came confessing and telling their deeds. Also many of those who had practiced magic by their books together, uh, together and brought their books together and burned them in the sight of all. <clears throat> and they counted up the value of them, and it totaled 50,000 pieces of silver. So the word of the Lord grew mightily and prevailed. All right, not a long reading, but uh, actually quite a bit to consider there. All right, so we're in Ephesus. Remember, there was the whole discussion yesterday about uh, uh, Mr. Apollos, and then Paul was in um, Ephesus doing great signs over them, right? What was he doing there? Let's see if we can remember. Ah, I lost my screens. Go back to how it was set up. There we go. Oh, yes. Um, we had the whole discussion about the baptism uh, of John and the baptism of Jesus. And then we had the three months that he was preaching in the daily, uh, in the synagogue, and uh, people were converting, and then ultimately he met resistance. So then he retreated to the school of Tyrannus and continued there two years in the school of Tyrannus in Ephesus. All right. Uh, then we hear this recording of these unusual miracles record, uh, done through Paul, right? And we have, uh, you know, like with Jesus, with the hem of the garment. So with Paul here, uh, even a handkerchief or a or an apron, when it's brought to the sick, the diseases left them, and evil spirits went out of them. This term, um, handkerchief, is interesting, because uh, you know, like we don't usually use that term, right? I remember my grandparents doing it, but, uh, well, my grandfather actually had handkerchiefs, right? Rather than using uh, bathroom tissue, he used uh, 
He used an actual handkerchief. Uh, Luke 19 would be an example. This is uh, with the 10 minus, and it was a parable with a nobleman, if you remember. And he called 10 of his servants, delivered them 10 minas, and said to them, do business until I come. All right. And when he returned, having received the kingdom, he then commanded the servants to whom he had given the money to be called to him that they might know how much each man had gained by trading. Then the first came saying, Master, your mine has earned 10 minas. Well done, good and faithful servant. Receive 10 cities. The second came, Master, your mine has earned 5 minas. Likewise, he said to him, you will be over 5 cities. Then another came saying, here is your mina which I have kept put away in a, here's that word. Um, by the way, it's, it's a sundarion, is the, is the Greek word, sundarion, um, in the handkerchief. For I feared you, because remember, this is similar to what we read in Matthew, where uh, the one with the with the one coin buried it, right? And here he keeps it hidden in a handkerchief, because you are an austere man. You collect and you do not deposit. You reap what you did not sow. Which, of course, he's correct, um, but he's judged for this because he could have at least put it in the bank for interest. All right. So there's the use of that word sundarion. We have uh, it also used in John 11, and that's with. Um, the famous uh, resurrection account of Lazarus. Ah, really? His face was wrapped in a sundarion, in a face cloth, or a handkerchief. <laughs> right? So that's interesting. So it was a burial cloth there. Uh, and then we see it, of course, show up again in John 20. Right? When they came and they found, Simon Peter came and found the linen cloths lying there, and what? The sundarion, the face cloth that had been around his head, not lying with the linen cloths, but folded together in a place by itself. Right? Um, so in the stories of resurrection of Lazarus and Jesus, it's the term used for the grave cloth around their, around their head. And then you have it as um, in that parable of the ten minas to mark those who fail to use the gifts of the resurrection for the benefit of the neighbor. All right. Uh, yeah, and then apron, of course, aprons. I uh, remember Paul was a tent maker, so to protect his clothing, you put on an apron. Right? Um, You'll see these kinds of aprons. Uh, I know it from uh, uh, coffee. The coffee people wear aprons often. Um, who else would wear aprons? Oh, even like a blacksmith, you know, would have a leather apron you know, to protect himself from um, the heat and from the hot objects coming off the fire. So perhaps yeah, he wore one when he was making his tents. All right. Um, but some of these itinerant, those are traveling Jewish exorcists, they think, hey, look, Paul's having success, so we'll use this name too and try to cast out evil spirits in the name of uh, Lord Jesus, whom Paul preached. Of course, this is uh, a violation of the command, commandment of the Lord. Which one? Which of the Ten Commands? That would be the second. Do not misuse the name of the Lord your God. All right, so they're using his name outside of faith, so that's a misuse. One of uh, the, these exorcists are, oh yes, the seven sons of Sceva, a Jewish chief priest. Um, seven is significant, the number of the Sabbath and the rule of the Trinity over the four corners of the earth, right? Three plus four. Um, but it seems these seven are, are kind of like um, Nadab and Abihu, right? The sons of Levi, who misuse the gifts, try to um, use them outside the command of God. And so the evil spirit even recognizes that they have no authority, right? Uh, <laughs> cries out, I know Jesus and Paul, but I don't know you. All right. And so the, the man, uh, possessed by this evil spirit, jumps upon them, uh, overpowers them, prevails against them, uh, wounds them, and of course <laughs> rips off their clothing apparently because they, those seven sons, flee naked and wounded. 
All right. Uh, this is kind of a, well, you would, uh, uh, an exorcism wasn't necessarily a private affair. So, um, and of course, these seven sons who are quite notable uh, running around naked uh, would get some attention, right? So word traveled both to Jews and Greeks um, of what had happened in Ephesus, right? And happened to the sons of Sceva. And uh, fear fell upon them, it says, right? And the name of the Lord Jesus was magnified. So that na- same name misused brought judgment on them. All right. So um, as a result, we see other sorts of, uh, for lack of a better word here, magicians, right? Ceasing to, um, to practice their magic. Oh, what's the word for magic? Oh, yes. Perigros. Um, sometimes we call these uh, superstitions, superstitious activities, I think. Uh, witchcraft. I think that would be another way to, another word to call it. All right. So they take all their magic books, their, their spell, spell books, and uh, burn them in the sight of them all. So this is a grand act of public repentance and turning in faith to Jesus. Really beautiful, right? And uh, of course, this is, is a bold confession because the, these could have been sold for 50,000 pieces of silver uh, in that day. And then even today, that would be quite valuable. So you can see what kind of um, rejection both of mammon uh, because both the um, the public exorcists, the sons of Sceva, and also these all these other magic practice magicians, this was a um, this was a trade, right? It was for money. So they're not only are they rejecting their uh, idolatry, their witchcraft idolatry, uh, magic and exorcism for money, um, but they're also just rejecting uh, money, right? And the god of Mammon. So you have both going on at the same time. All right, and then we have this uh, incredible confession. Uh, we haven't studied a lot of Acts here. We're just doing a little bit this week just for the fun of it. Some of my favorite stories. But um, throughout the book of Acts, we see this expression over and over. The word of God, uh, the word of the Lord, I should say, grew mightily and prevailed. Back in Acts 6, Acts 12, uh, Acts 13. All right, every time the Lord performs great and mighty deeds amongst the apostles for the benefit um, of the people for faith, it says that the word of God grew. All right. Uh, anything else? Nope, I think we covered it, right? All right, so summary then. The use of the handkerchiefs is a reminder that Paul had no authority other than the word of Christ's death and resurrection. There's your connection. The exorcists seek to exercise the power of God without the authority of Christ and the preaching of his resurrection. Right, so two problems. They're both lacking authority and also not preaching death and resurrection of Jesus, the forgiveness of sins, right? Which is actually what casts out the demons. Though there are seven, they cannot provide true Sabbath rest, for Christ is our Sabbath rest who rested from his labor on the Sabbath and whose folded burial cloth bears witness to his resurrection. Still today, there are those who seek to use the name of Jesus without preaching his death and resurrection. And again, look at the link that I posted in the chat if you want uh, a gross uh, example of this. The evil spirits mock them and send them away naked, for they do not wear the resurrection clothing of Christ. But where the word of Christ's death and resurrection is faithfully preached and taught, the evil spirits are destroyed, for the word of the Lord prevails over the words of men and magic. Magic spells, right? That's a misuse of the gift of language. All right, let's sing our hymn for the week. Crown him with many crowns.
We do have a commemoration, not a commemoration, actually a feast day today. One of the oldest feast days in the church. You can actually uh, hear more about it on the Christian History Almanac podcast. Uh, you can find links to that on Facebook, even if uh, you don't have a podcast player. And uh, the Decolation Day, uh, or also known as the Festival of the Martyrdom of St. John the Baptist. He worked uh, no mighty miracles. He had neither wife nor child nor place he could call home. He lived in the desert wilderness of Judea and ate insects and wild honey growing up. He dressed in a rough fashion reminiscent of Elijah, in whose spirit he served, turning the hearts of fathers to their children, and the children to the obedience of the just. His life prepared him for a ministry that lasted at most a year and a half. He was jailed for daring to criticize King Herod Agrippa I and telling him that it was not lawful for him to take his brother's wife as his own. It was at this stage of his life, as he was in prison, that Jesus said to him, 
Quote, Among those born of women there has arisen no one greater than John the Baptist. End quote. Under unjust arrest for speaking truth, John no doubt knew exactly what awaited him. After all, from the time he baptized Jesus and heard the Father's voice and saw the Spirit descend, he had proclaimed that Jesus was the Lamb of God. John 1.29 John knew that he must increase, but I must decrease. John 3.30 Since he was the one who, was, who prepared the way, the forerunner. Lambs were for slaughter, and to be a forerunner is to go ahead on the way of the Lord himself was to travel. John knew it wouldn't end well for him in this world. Yet Jesus had sent him the comfort, go and tell John, the dead are raised up and the poor have good news preached to them. Matthew 11, 4 through 5. Did he whisper that promise to himself as the executioner came with the sword in hand? Herodias' daughter's swirling and salacious hints had captured the old man's lust. Herod made his foolish promise and Herodias finally had her revenge. The regretful king handed the grisly platter with the prophet's head upon it to the girl who gave it to her mother. When the word reached John's disciples, they came and took away the body and buried it. Then they went to Jesus. That is what John had taught them to do, go to Jesus. We talked about this yesterday, right? Maybe some did not. And hear from him the words that will sustain when all else fails. They were words John clung to as he entered into the darkness, the forerunner in death, as he had been in life. Did he announce to the dead, fear not? The death of death, the Lamb of God lives, I've seen him. Soon he will bring light to those who sit in darkness and in the shadow of death. He will free us, raise us, and bring us to his kingdom. So today we commemorate the death of the greatest born of woman in the natural way and last prophet of the Old Testament, John the Baptist. We pray. Almighty God, you gave your servant John the Baptist to be the forerunner of your son, Jesus Christ, in both his preaching and repentance and his innocent death. Grant that we who have died and risen with Christ in holy baptism may daily repent of our sins, patiently suffer for the sake of the truth, and fearlessly bear witness to his victory over death. Through the same Jesus Christ our Lord, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. All right, we pray our collect for the week. Almighty and merciful God, by your gift alone, your faithful people render true and laudable service. Help us steadfastly to live in this life according to your promises and finally attain your heavenly glory. Through Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. We pray this day for deliverance against temptation and evil, for the addicted and despairing, for the tortured and oppressed, and for those struggling with sin. We also pray this day in Thanksgiving with Keith, celebrating his birthday. Pray for the households of our church, especially this week. With that of Jessica, Randy, Ross, Neil, John and Linda, Timothy and Amber. We pray for our catechumens. We pray for those ill receiving treatment or recovering, especially Joe, Kelsey, Dennis, Naomi, Christopher, Marcy, Brad, and Eileen, Ron, Doug, Beverly, and Donna, Jim, Pat, Wendell, and Darlene, and District President Willie. Pray for our homebound. We pray for the missions and mercy work of the church, especially this month, Sheboygan County Hispanic Outreach. We continue to pray for the Tupper family they find gainful employment and housing. For all this, let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. I thank you, my heavenly Father, 
through Jesus Christ, your dear Son, that you have kept me this night from all harm and danger, and I pray that you would keep me this day also from sin and every evil, that all my doings and life may please you. For into your hands I commend myself, my body and soul and all things. Let your holy, um, let, let your holy angel be with me, that the evil foe may have no power over me. Amen. Let us bless the Lord. Thanks be to God. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Amen. That's our congregation prayer for today, August 29th, 2023. Uh, it's good to have you with us. Tomorrow school begins, um, but we'll just keep working through Acts for the rest of the week here. Uh, we get the riot at Ephesus, which will be fun. And uh, then, of course, the man who falls asleep during preaching on Thursday, which is the only reason I actually picked the Acts readings that I did for this week is so that the children uh, could hear a fun story on Thursday. All right. Um, anything else? I don't think so. So, uh, Lord be with you this day, and I uh, hope to see you again tomorrow at 9 a.m. God be with you all. We thank you for listening to this podcast from St. John Evangelical Lutheran Church Sermon Center in Random Lake, Wisconsin. If this podcast is of benefit to you, please consider supporting the work of St. John by visiting stjohnrandomlake.org, that's stjohnrandomlake.org, slash support and give today.